What the? Mike, did you pick this? What? Hey, welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm Dr. Michael Terrian. And I'm Scott Lieb. We're two friends who are following Jesus into the joys and challenges of everyday life. Good morning. Well, good morning. Hi. I got to tell you, with all honesty, I'm coming into this feeling quite wired. So I might be, you know, I might be a little surly and a little bit... uh, You're fired up? Bristled. Yeah, yeah. Just got many things going on, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm really trying to find... uh, the Lord's peace in my heart, but uh, I'm just being honest. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I got some internal turmoil going on. Well, good. I'll be sure to trigger you as much <laughs> as I can. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh. All right. So anyway, it's my turn. It is your turn. And um, what I what I would like to to dive into in some way is um, this idea of what trust in God looks like, like real trust in God, because it's thrown out there a lot. Well, you just need to trust. You just need to trust in the Lord. You need to trust in the Lord. But, you know, I mean, when I think about my own stories and my own life, uh, I I think if we can fake trust in God, you know, meanwhile, we we can be trusting in ourselves the whole time. And uh, and our, our prayer is like a little bit like, you know, peripheral to that. Um, or we're not trusting at all and we're just afraid. Well, yes, exactly. But, uh, so I'm talking about like real acts of trust in God that maybe you or I have experienced in our lives that we've been open to, that we've stepped out like, or over that ledge that the Lord may be asking us to do and, and what that looked like for us. And then, uh, and then maybe we could all, you could, we could, but m- mostly you might want to <laughs> open up uh, what it means to be prudent, because I feel like the the other uh, the other edge of that sword is like prudence and what prudence might really mean. You know, for me, of course, uh, a lot of times whenever I've acted out in trust of the Lord in a radical way, uh, people around me pushed back on that or advised me maybe differently because they're like, well, you're not being very prudent. And maybe I wasn't, you know, and so I'd like to kind of bring that, bring that out in the open. All right. Okay. Well, why don't, why don't, why don't you kick us off though, just talking about like what, what's your experience of trusting God? What do you think it is? What does it mean to trust God? And Mm. do you have any, uh, anecdotes from your life that would illustrate what <laughs> uh, you're saying uh, a few hundred um yeah well what trusting god or not trusting yes god? well probably both <laughs> i mean yeah i mean i would say i would say i'd like to frame it in this in the those two things like the not trusting god and trust which ultimately meant trusting in myself in my own abilities in my own um gifts and talents and skills, my own plan, um, I could honestly say that I could have subsisted, you know, like I could live, I could, uh, I could exist in a world of relative, I believe probably relative comfort and, um, you know, satisfaction, uh, just relying on myself totally, you know? 
And what I mean by that is like, I, you know, I have been blessed, I think, to, to have a, a certain amount of intelligence and, you know, art, artistic skills that, that could lend themselves very beautifully to my architectural work. And I, you know, I could have clients and, and I could, uh, you know, and I did this for a while. I did it for a while. I, I, I existed mainly on my own abilities. And, um, you know, we, we kind of, we talked about this a little bit in our conversion stories where, you know, what was going on behind the surface was like turmoil and, and de decay and, and devolving into like bleh, despair and things like that. But do I think that I could have been like, oh, I'm just going to soldier on. I'm going to, you know, like get out of bed and put my boots on and, and, uh, you know, dig deep and do the, and shove down the things that, that sucked and not really trusted God to, to lead my life. I, I don't know. I don't know what that would have looked like, but I'm telling you just whenever I was doing that, it could have, I could have been living with the veil pulled over my eyes for my whole entire life and never known. So, you know. so would you contrast faith in God with, with self-reliance then? Yeah, yeah, I was very self-reliant, very self-reliant, and 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 in in my world, in my worldview, that was enough. You know, like that that was bringing me all the little the little pleasures of life and the comforts of life that I was seeking. And um, you know, I always tie things back to the movie The Matrix because it's the greatest movie in the history of mankind. <laughs> and um, according to you, <laughs> I mean, it's could, a good movie, but right? No, no, right. Don't obsess on it. Like yeah, you do. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have eaten that pill that opened my eyes. You know, I would have. And I, in in that movie, the guy that the guy that's in the real world actually wants to go back to the fake world because because it was so comfortable. You know, and I feel like that would have been me. You know, that I would have been that guy that's just living in sort of this blind, not even being in a not even being aware of of the greater things you know, and, and that would have been, it would have been a, you know, it, ultimately because my, my, my eyes were opened, um, I, I see it for what it was and it, and it was, um, kind of soulless and unfulfilling ultimately, but I could have done that. I could have, uh, I could have not really trusted and, or, and been led by the Lord into different areas of my life. So now you know, it is because it is because I stepped out in trust and faith that all of that, all of that stuff, the veil just kind of like fell, and I and I realized, oh my gosh, like how much more fulfilling and how much more like awe-inspiring and wonder wondrous, like just yeah, I mean, like so I'm gonna I'll tell a couple stories about that. Is that cool? It is. So, but let me just inter interject here because. So what I'm hearing you say is that for you, you when you stepped out in faith, you decided to allow God to lead you in your life as opposed to you leading yourself and deciding where you wanted to go. Totally. So that's how totally. you, so being trusting in God is sort of handing over at least some degree, or I should say, it's it's exercising your your freedom by 
entrusting your future into the hands of God and being led into an unknown yeah. place and then trusting that this is going to be good, it's, it's what God wants, it's going to be satisfying, and in the beginning not really knowing if that was going to be true or not, but, yeah, absolutely. but, but feeling compelled to and then discovering later that in fact allowing God to lead you is much was much better an experience for you yes than leading yourself yes okay but with that said scary scary as hell like that that those moments and 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 what was so scary um because of the uncertainty because of the unknown well, what where what that did, would go. what did you fear like what did you fear specifically um, fear uh whether god was gonna be there for me on the other side of of that leap you know to catch me uh financial you know like security in many ways like financial like would i be provided for in financial ways would i be provided for um you know as as a dad you know like what there were so many on there was just so many unknowns and uncertainties and one very specific instance of that so let and let me preface all this like, you know, I probably, there were probably little minor acts of trust, maybe, as, as my relationship to God developed and that, that through that conversion, you know. But <clears throat> that conversion moment, you know, that we talked about last time, started this relationship with God that fostered this trust. So before that, you know, there there wasn't really trust in in God. Again, it was me. But as my relationship with God developed and and expanded, then then there was there was this moment where God was ultimately like, "Do you really do you really trust me? Because this is gonna this is gonna be a big moment for you." And that moment was when when I came back from Denver and and I you know, established my own architecture business and and I did that for seven years. And, and it was great. The Lord, uh, you know, there, uh, whenever architecture clients started to pile up and, and expand and grow, and, and that was humming along really nicely. And, uh, but at the same time, like, I'm, I'm like, oh, God, I, I, I want to I, I do, do things for you. I want to bring you to other people. And so, so through that, he had me start working, uh, started doing music with a youth you know, with uh, teenagers at my parish, uh, these teenagers that were musically inclined, and and they were like, "We want to do a mass that has contemporary music, you know, that's more, that where we feel like it's speaking to our hearts more." And and so the people on pastoral council were like, "Hey, I know that you play guitar, and would you want to do that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, I would love to do that. It's a door opening to to serve other people." And um, so as that's as that's moving along and and uh, growing and we're you know actually doing music for this mass, uh, then it was like, hey, do you wanna do you wanna be the you know youth ministry? Would you like to meet with these guys outside of just doing the mass? I was like, yeah, sure. I have no idea what that looks like, but I'll do that. And and I would say even at that point, I'm not sure there was a there was probably some prayerful discernment you know i go back and ask my wife what do you think do i like should i be doing this do i have time and she'd be like well if you know if it's if it's not taking away time from our family go ahead and do it 
And um, so, so was that. Uh, was that uh, Monsignor Charnoki who it was uh, Monsignor Charnoki who wanted you from to, Green uh, County to lead those kiddos? <laughs> yes, those kiddos. <laughs> that's what we would refer to. That's wow! What a memory! <laughs> oh my gosh! I, I just was sitting here cracking up because I, I, I just remember. Him. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that's funny. Anyway. Down in Green County. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, yeah, that was that was carried by a lot of zeal. You know, like an excitement. So anyway, there was there was this point where I did. What is the point? I did start feeling this nudge in my heart, like a nudge. Hmm, okay, youth ministry. I'm I I really love I love this. I love being able to work with young people and and like you know, help them to discover God in a way that I kind of, you know, like that I did and in a way that's not the norm. Like it's, it's beyond just CCD and facts and things like that. And so I kind of had this deal with God where I'm like, well, Lord, if you open up a door to, to a full-time youth ministry position, I'll, I'll walk through it. Not, you know, like it was kind of this, this deal. And so, um, I, I, there was a full-time position that opened up in this small town, Apollo, PA, which was only an hour away from me. And I was like, oh, dang, that, that's like in my backyard, you know, and this is getting real. And I started to get real sweaty and nervous. And uh, so I talked, to the, I talked to the diocesan youth director at the time, and she's like, well, just, just put together a resume and, you know, see where it goes. I'm like, okay, I have no youth ministry, you know, I don't have a degree in theology, no youth ministry experience except volunteering and a lot of excitement and passion for it. So I put together put together my my thing and I sent it away to the to the parish. And I was in Denver and they gave me a call and uh and they were like, "We're we're really we're really excited about what you wrote in your cover letter, you know, would you like to come in?" And for a, for an interview, and I was like, "Oh, sure," but in my heart, I'm like, "Ah, this is re- this is really scary," because I knew that that meant like an extreme reduction in in my income, and our family by now had had already. I think we had four kids, and it's like, "Wow, this is going backwards in terms of establishing security and financial," you know. And um, so anyway, let, yeah. Go let ahead. Me, well, I just want to interject because. You won't say this, but, but just for the sake of the audience, that you know, you, you have designed, and uh, you know, multi-million-dollar homes, like yeah, a yeah. lot of them, yeah. for very wealthy people. So, you know, you were really walking away from a very lucrative yeah. and successful business with sure. a lot of status. I think you were featured in some architectural magazines. Yeah, a lot of people in Denver. Other architects would rip off your ideas and designs, <laughs> so it's a big deal. Like you really like it. It, it is. A, it's important to you know really highlight that it really was a big leap of faith because you were you were letting go of a tremendous amount of security. And yeah. the thing is, I'd also say is that you and Becky have always lived a pretty modest life. So you know the 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 cost of living versus the income gap yeah. was pretty. Pretty grand. Pretty so, grand. Yeah, but yes. it was going to get real small Yes, um, by making this decision. And I remember, because I was like with you through all those experiences, yeah. 
And uh, my outside perception of it was is that you you were you there was a lot of gusto, a lot of excitement, um, and a lot of willingness to to go for it and do it. Which I remember at the time thinking. You're crazy. Like, everybody. Why, why do you want to do this? Like, you Everybody's can just that. do it as a ministry on the side and get thrown yeah. a few coins or do it for free. But why yeah. Why would you give up your architectural business? I even talked to you to talk to you years later back <laughs> <laughs> into going back into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at any rate. No. So, so here's the big moment leading up to it. We're praying. My, my wife and I are praying and really discerning in a way that we never had before. And I'm in my office in my house. And it's like, Lord, okay, what, like, I'm I'm struggling here because there's so much of me that's so scared about this. But I but I feel like you're oh, you're really opening this door wide. And I remember there we, we're having this deep discussion, heated discussion, and it's like, what are we what are we supposed to do? And I have this big stack of papers in my hand, and they fall onto the floor, and I'm like, oh, so frustrated, and. They fan out like a deck of cards would, you know. And but there was one, one thing that stood out from all the other ones. And we, my wife and I, just stopped and we looked down, and it was a it was a, a pack of transparency sheets that I had with me for who knows why. But the manufacturer of the transparencies was Apollo, which was clearly at the top, you know. And and this job was in Apollo, PA, you know. And um, <laughs> Yes, and it was like the clouds clear. Yeah, the sun shines. I, it was an amazing moment, and yeah. and we both were like, well, I guess that's that's it, you know. And um, so so the leap was like, holy mackerel, God, like you're gonna have to, you know, like you're gonna have to send projects my way to help <laughs> pay our bills, and because the the ministry job alone would never sustain that. Which but he has. A, a, oh my gosh! In in miraculous ways. I mean, and and part of that is that you, you don't have the time. You haven't had the time to actually go out and look for business, right? So it seems like it's a pattern that yeah. every single time you guys get into a pinch and need something, suddenly there's a big job right there waiting for you that's yes. going to cover that expense every step of the way. And that not was to my... mention that some people have uh, generously donated to you guys <laughs> on occasion. Yes. But that's part of the way in which clearly God has provided for you guys. Yeah. Because you stepped out and uh that was chose my to yeah. And that was my first big like and it in from that moment on, you know, there is a little bit every time the Lord has asked me to step out again or step out again or step out again, I come back to that and I'm and I ha- remind myself and he helps to remind me. I, I did. I provided for you. I told you to take the leap, and I caught you, and I provided for you. You know, so, like, I realize that's a radical, that, that is a really radical leap of trust. Most people, <laughs> you know, th- most people, in fact, almost everybody was like, I can't believe you're doing it. Like, you're the, and that, that kind of me, led me to then, like, the discussion of prudence, because they, were, they would always, so many people would be like, that's not prudent. You're being irresponsible yeah. by doing that. So, yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, it's a great story. Great story. Um, can I muse for a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I thought maybe I'd just thought these are thoughts that sort of came into my head as I'm hearing this story again. Of course, you know, I, I sort of lived through all this with you and have <laughs> for all <laughs> the did. years. Yeah. Um, 
you know, uh, and I do, I have similar stories too that I can share, but, but I, I, you know, I think one of the things this is going to seem like totally out of left field for me to say this, but you know, one of the, one of the things about being human <laughs> that's really difficult is, is that because we're material beings, like we have, we have bodies, you know, yeah. and we have real immediate needs that have to be provided for and we're conscious bodies so we have this this very acute sense of time and uh, the problem is is that we can we can get stuck in the past and uh, that's been I'll, I'll, pa- I'll unpack that later for myself because that's been a real challenge for me and my journey of faith of trusting God is not looking back um, but we can also worry about the future like how's it all going to turn out what what's it going to be like and and the only place, the only time that you can really trust God is right here and now. Mm. And and I think why trusting in God is so important is because there's nothing we can do to undo the past. We know that, but we we fret about it. You know, we live in regret. I call it the regret cycle. You mm. just, oh, I, if I had only, like, why did I, you know, and we can get really stuck there. Yeah. Or we can get spun around the axle of of wanting a sense of security about what's coming in the future, but it's total darkness to us. Like, we, we, we really don't know what's going to happen and how it's all going to pan out. And so the Lord really commands us to trust Him because there's, there's really no other way we can honestly live our life. Mm-hmm. But we have to entrust the past to Him. Uh, we have to entrust the future to Him. And we have to, we have to lean into Him in the present moment and just go. So that's the first thing I want to say. I just no, think that's interesting. I, I think it, and that's the that's the drama of faith because it's always about time and how we relate to past, present, and future. So, so you know, we, we you know, and hope is part of that too, because because what and, and I'll unpack in my own story why hope is so important. Um, but just preemptively, it, it has to do with the fact that oftentimes when we make the choice to follow God, it gets hard, mm-hmm. and when it gets hard, we want to look back and doubt. Maybe we made the wrong decision. Uh, and sometimes we become frightened about continuing to move forward. And so we need hope because hope is what uh, reminds us that God is trustworthy. He was trustworthy then. He's trustworthy now. And mm-hmm. he'll be trustworthy in the time to come. And uh, he's leading us somewhere. That's good. So let me ask you real quick. Real, so does that mean that real trust in the Lord requires us to, to be in the present? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It means, and but here's the other thing, and I think it'll make sense. You know, a lot of times, and I was really mistaken about this for a long time, but your story really illustrates the point. I think sometimes we 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 experience a desire that emerges in our hearts, and then we were like, I really want. I think I want to do that. Yeah. And then we decide to say, Okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to step out, and I'm going to do this. And then when it works out, we're like. Oh my gosh, God is so good because He like fulfilled this desire that I had, mm. and and I and I realized somewhere along the line it's like no, actually, God put the desire in your heart, mm. and then you followed that desire, and then He fulfilled that desire by showing you what it is that He wanted you to accomplish or do or achieve or whatever it is with having placed that desire in your heart. Yeah. So in other words, it's like, well, I have a plan for your life, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to place this little desire for youth ministry in your heart. I'm going to give you a sort of taste and, a, and an appetite for it, and I'm going to nudge and encourage you <laughs> because I really want you to do this. Yeah, you yeah. think that you want to be an architect, 
but <laughs> but yeah. and yeah. and you're good at that and that's nice but you know I, I have this other plan and you can still do the architecture cuz that's going to maybe satisfy some basic needs that you have to yeah. pay your bills but yeah. the real thing I'm calling you to is to do this youth ministry and I need you to tr- I need you to trust me um and so that's where that's where just to cut right to the point about prudence see people when they're on the outside looking in on that situation, they can't they can't perceive necessarily the way in which we experience a calling. It's like, well, no calling makes rational sense when you try to weigh everything in the balance. Sure, you know, well, you've got, you know, how many kids you have? Right. Time, yeah. Three or four kids, and yeah, yeah. and you know, well, how are you? You know, I had the same thing. I mean, my I had friends and family that were constantly, "What are you going to do with a theology degree? How are you going to support? You're not going to make much money." Blah, yeah. blah, 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 you know. Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't know. I just. I just feel like God's calling me to do this. And so when God calls you to do something, it's not really a, a rational calculation. The prudential judgment is not is is really around, well, is God calling me to do this? Mm. And if God is calling you to do it, you do it. If God's not calling you to do it, then you then you have to figure out where that desire is coming from. Yeah. And 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 then you don't do it if it's not coming from a good place. It may be coming from a kind of indifferent place, like yeah. you know. Uh, should I buy this house or that house? You know, and right, you want right. this house, and it may not be God saying buy that house. <laughs> it may be just I like that house and I want to buy it. Yeah, but can you afford it? And that might become the prudential discernment around that. You mm-hmm. know, but prudence is really it's really ultimately coming down to well, first of all, if God has a stake in this decision, uh, can you discern a right whether God's calling you to this or not? And that's that's where we really have to be listening carefully. And discerning where is that desire coming from? Mm. It's very Ignatian uh, wow. way of seeing it. So prudence doesn't necessarily equate to rational. No, yeah. it doesn't. I mean, it is rational, but not according to some sort of a calculus, a preconceived calculus that might be like, say, really utilitarian. Yeah, it's like you know, on the face of it, the world would say that was a stupid decision. Why would you do that? Sure. And and oh, the, which they did. Yeah, and the Christian would say, "Well, because God, this is what God's calling me to do. I mean, yeah. what, what, why would I want to do anything else?" And the thing is, is that money could never buy what you've acquired. Oh my gosh! Yeah. By giving up that for yeah. the sake of this, right? And that's what Jesus said, means when he says, "You know, anybody who's given up house and family and you know all these things for my sake will receive you know family and houses and land and all these things a hundredfold." Um, because what you gain by following the Lord into the vineyard, so to speak, is going to be infinitely greater than anything you could have purchased for yourself by virtue of your own plans. Not that your own plans would necessarily have been bad, but, or sinful, just, you know, it's just that, you know, when, when the Lord places a calling on our hearts, uh, and, and we become, we come to a place where we're certain of it, you do it. Yeah, you know, and that yeah. and that doing it, that's saying yes, Lord. That's that's trust, uh, because it isn't. I I think the other thing that that people get mistaken about is that just because you step out in faith doesn't mean you're not going to be afraid and you're not going to be like your human nature <laughs> isn't going to kind of like Disappear. you know shake you up a little <laughs> bit because, yeah. like I said at the beginning of my comments, it's part of being human that we face the immediate needs of our embodied nature and we have this conscious awareness of of the what ifs and and uh, what you know it, what if it doesn't pan out what if right. this is a colossal mistake you know and blah 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 you can go on like that oh yeah. i just said blah 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 ha. 
So we, we, we have to be discerning, and the only prudent choice is, you know, is to follow God's mm-hmm. will in this, insofar as He reveals that to us. Now, I will say this too. A lot of decisions, God isn't necessarily trying to determine which way we ought to go. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of decisions we make in life which... It's just up to us. Yeah. And God says, yeah. be free to make whatever decision sure. suits you and, and seems sensible to you. And then take what comes with that choice. You know, if you if you really want a larger house, buy it. But don't complain to me if you can't keep up with all the maintenance on it. Yeah. You know, right. like it's like I'm <laughs> right. not telling you you should or shouldn't. It's just it's up to you. It's it's kind of like whatever kind of floats your boat kind of thing. We, we make a lot of decisions like that. But yeah. when God calls us to something, like in your case, in my case too, you know, then that's... Yeah. that the, the, the act of faith is the act by which we subject ourselves in obedience to what God has indicated to us. Yeah. And we entrust the unknown future of that decision into his hands, knowing that you know, even if it ends up being hard, and of course, Apollo was no... Um, uh, you know, <laughs> cakewalk. <laughs> oh, gosh. My wife cried when we showed up there. Yeah. She's like, really? We left Ligonier to For come this? <laughs> oh, my. I All right, so what's your, is this a good segue? Like, what's your, yeah, what's my, your story? Well, my story would be, I mean, there's lots of them, but I think that there's uh, probably the decision that I, um, that that really involved a lot I mean, there's been a lot of decisions, but the one I'm going to focus on is the decision to go to doc to uh, graduate school to get my doctorate. Mm. And the backstory of that was just that I felt a very strong calling and a desire, and it was on my heart really since uh, probably sophomore year in college. Um, I just once I got to Gonzaga and started studying theology and 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 history, I just was like, oh my gosh, I just I I wanted to get a doctorate and be a professor. But there were two things that I was really afraid of. One was, no, three things. One was, I'm not smart enough. I just am never going to be able to write a book and 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 defend a <laughs> dissertation. Like, yeah. I just am not smart enough to do that. Fear number two was, I've got to learn all these languages, and I suck at languages. And truly, I suck at languages. <laughs> like, I'm terrible. And I'm going to... When I finish this story, you'll understand what an irony it is that God, <laughs> like how he handled this, but he did mm. it with such uh, humility, uh, such humor and grace. Yeah. But, um, and the third one was financially. I'm like, I don't know how I, I've already borrowed myself to the hilt just to get through my undergraduate and my uh, master's degree. How in the world am I ever going to, I can't take on more debt. I'm married now. I got children, mm. you know, mm-hmm. like I can't do this. But. I remember uh, I was it was I was working at the Acton Institute at the time I was in my second year there, and I just I felt like the, that call t- that just started burning in me. It's like I've I've got to do this, and I remember I was sitting at my uh, in my cubicle at my computer this one day in the spring, and I said, Lord, I said, show me the money, and <laughs> I'll go, and I just heard the Lord say very clearly to me in my heart, no. Fill out the application, and then I'll show you the money. Hmm. So I was like, okay. Um, so I did. I just I filled out the application right away, turned it in. I think within like two days, I was accepted into the program. Hmm. 
how are you feeling? Like, were you? Well, I was. Fe- I was feeling. Like- I was feeling good. But I had. You have to realize. I had like. I had been. I had gotten into other programs. Okay. But um, back in my undergraduate years, so at this point, like I'm in my late twenties now. I had gotten into Harvard and uh, the Jesuit School of Theology at Berkeley mm-hmm. back in ninety. 90, 91. Mm-hmm. It's now 1999. Okay, it, all those yeah. years. And I just kept putting it off, and I kept, I kept, I just couldn't, I just could not get, move forward with it, because yeah. I was too afraid. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to fail, yeah. I'm going to fail. Yeah. So, finally, I'm like, I can't, I can't run away. It's like, you know, it's sort of the story of like Jonah. It's like, how far can you run away? It's like, no matter where I go, there you are, <laughs> right, telling yeah. me where I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to go this way. Yeah. And I keep trying to go another way and come up with a different plan. In fact, I even went, I even decided at that time when I was at Acton, the first year, I decided I was going to go to law school. And I, I enrolled in this, in, in this uh, LSAT course for six months. Oh, gosh. And I just labored to pass the LSAT. So I want to get in law school. And I, I I got in, I got an okay score on it, and and then I was like, nah, I don't want to go to law school. Like <laughs> I really want to. If I can do this, why would I not go and get a doctorate in theology? That actually that experience boosted my confidence enough mm. to say, okay, I am going to fill out the application and go forward. Okay, but I mean, I was very reluctant, very very reluctant, and I just, you know, I mean, this is the you know the kid who went out to the portable. Um, to get help on his reading comprehension, uh, did B tracks all the way through high school. Yeah, couldn't spell to save my life. Couldn't sit still in a chair. Like my mom used to say to me, Michael, if you are supposed to get a doctorate, we should be telling you to put your books down, not pick them up. <laughs> I hated reading. Like reading was yeah. a laborious. I did it when I got to college. I started reading a lot, but even then it was hard work for me. Like, it was a very laborious activity. It still is. Yeah. I'm just not, I'm not a good reader. Like, um, but I'm a good thinker. Like, yeah. so that's, but, but the desire was there. Yeah. I mean, my parents were like, why? Like, I, this makes no sense. Yeah. You've hated school your whole life. You didn't even want to go to college. And now you want to get a doctorate? Like, help me understand why this makes yeah. any sense. Like, I don't know. I just, God wants me to do this. So, so you fill out the application. I fill out the application. You get in, but you're still like, okay, like the yeah. God is like, fill out the application, yeah. then I'll show you. So the within within two weeks, I had forty five thousand dollars. I had the entire two years of coursework at the ITI I paid for, hmm. with almost I didn't even do anything. Like people just found out I was doing this, and I had one friend who said, "Here's ten grand." I had another friend who said, "Here's five. Wow. You know, uh, Chris Maurin yeah. at, the Act, at the Acting Institute called up the Atlas Foundation, said, yeah, I'm sitting here with this guy, Mike Tarion, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Ten minutes later, I've got like 220, you know, two. Wow. I think I had two fifteen or $15,000 scholarships. So it's like it totaled up to forty-five or 50000 It covered the entire trip to Europe to live there, tuition, everything. So I was like, wow, that was quick. <laughs> I mean, my head spin. Yeah. Spun. Yeah. Spend. <laughs> Spend. See, I don't. I, I'm terrible. <laughs> Spell that. But no, anyway, so um, so but okay. I'm going to jump ahead in the story because I went from the ITI. I went to the to uh, the University of Freiburg, and between the time of finishing my licensed d- degree at the ITI, and then starting my you know in, into the the actual dissertation stage at the University of Freiburg, which took me another four years to, to actually finish up. So from 2003 to 2007, it took me, 
all that time to finish my dissertation. But I mean, I wanted to quit so many times. I'm like, I cannot do this. I remember one moment I'm at, I'm, I'm staying in this house by myself at Notre Dame, and I'm, I'm just there sort of like all alone thinking, I can't do this. I can't do this. I didn't know what to write my dissertation on. I'm just like spinning my wheels. Mm. And, you know, I, the whole summer had passed, and I was like, actually a whole year had passed, and I was at Notre Dame. My, my director was like, yeah, we need to reset things here because mm. you're going nowhere. And, um, and so it's the, like it's a year later after I started, and I'm sitting there at Notre Dame, and I'm just like stuck. And I'm like, I don't even know what to write on. And I, I would call my parents up. I'm like, I'm going to quit. I can't do this. And and I and they talked me off the ledge, surprisingly, and uh, and I went upstairs to my room and I flipped open to this chapter in this book, and all of a sudden the the the, the dissertation topic just jumped off the page. It was like almost highlighted. Mm. I was like, oh, perfect, I'll write on that. So you know, like every stage along the way, when I was just ready to quit, the Lord just would like throw something in there, and it's like, nope, keep going. So jumping ahead to my doctoral dissertation. I mean, and this is the language part. So I managed to work, I managed to pass all my language courses. Like, I, I don't know how. Like, hmm. I just, I had to, at the IT, I had to take courses in Latin and Greek and, you know. Yeesh. And then for the dissertation, I had to learn French. I, I had to learn how to read French. But I'm at the University of Freeport, I, you know, I, and, I, and it's the French faculty I'm studying under. And I literally, I showed up two days before my d defense in Freiburg. And even on my flight there, it, it was not, like, I did not know. Like, the, the Lord, um, I, I did not know whether or not I was going to have to answer the questions in French. Oh, my gosh. And I didn't speak French. And I did not know if the if the jury, the the the, yeah. the panel, the board, was going to ask me the questions in French because I didn't speak French, I could read it, but I couldn't speak it. Like I didn't, I couldn't listen to a native French speaker and understand French. Like, so you're truly going into this, just like trusting and yep. Yeah. And and I and it was right before I took off to fly there. My director, Father Sherman, said, um, "You can read." You can read your remarks, your opening remarks in French. Actually, I knew I had to do that, so I was all ready for that. But you can answer the questions in English. And I was like, oh, thanks be to God. Right. Because I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. <laughs> right, yeah. So that was just two days before I left, ticket in hand, you know, everything. Yeah. When I got there, he said, the, they, they will allow me to translate the questions for you. Hmm. And then it was the, the morning of my defense, I went to Mass, he celebrated Mass, it was just he and I, and the reading was, uh, it was from Acts of the Apostles, we're in the Easter season, and, and it's when Paul um, gets dragged in uh, in front of the Sadducees and the Pharisees um, on his teaching about the resurrection of the body. And Paul just makes this comment, and then the Sadducees and the Pharisees just start arguing with each other. <laughs> and he ends up not having to say anything, and then he gets let go. And I'm like, oh, my God, Lord, thank you. That is the perfect gospel <laughs> or a perfect reading for today. So, you know, I get into my defense, and everything just went smoothly. I mean, the Lord landed the plane. It was a perfect landing. Yeah. But the whole—the thing is, is from beginning to end of that experience, like, I had so many sweat-filled nights of imposter syndrome. I'd wake up with these night terrors with— 
dreams of people knocking on my door saying, you're not a scholar. Like, you have no business being in this program. And uh, and waking up just, just mm. so full of doubt. So, yeah. But the point is, is that at every moment along the way, the Lord gave me the strength to just take the next step. Just take one step forward and keep going. Yeah. And I, and I, and after, you know, I mean, the course, the coursework was the easy part for me because I was practiced at that. But the hard part was, um, was doing the dissertation. And I, you know, I, um, I just had to learn to trust his plan for my life. He called me to do this and he was going to see it through to the end. And I was hanging on for dear life and I was sweating every step of the way. Mm. But by the end, I mean, I, I graduated magnum cum laude like i wow. i still I, I look at my it, my uh <laughs> my uh diploma on the wall here I, I just like i still can't believe it my parents head was spinning you know yeah yeah they were like we just can't believe that you did this <gasps> but the lord wanted this and he called me to it and i all i could do was say yes and keep going forward and trusting yeah. i never exp- i never was fear uh, free of fear or anxiety or worry, yeah. But what the Lord was teaching me was, if you trust me, you, you will you will learn. Like if you can trust me with this, guess yeah. what? I'm going to entrust you with yeah more, right? And you're going to be just as afraid with this thing as you were with the last thing. But the second thing is going to require way more faith than the last thing did. <laughs> right. And then you 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 sort of learn to trust God in that thing. And then guess what? He gives you something even more to do mm. and to step out in even greater with even greater courage still afraid still anxious but learning to trust in him yeah and to know that he's guiding and he's going to give you, that's what hope is like yeah. the ability to take those steps and to keep going forward that's faith yeah and you know there isn't a single person who in the gospels who was healed for their faith that didn't have to break through some sort of barrier of fear, of, you know, of anxiety, yeah. and, and do the unthinkable so, in the face of the crowd, so what telling would, you you can't do it. Yeah. Wow. So what would you say is um, the... If you could boil all that down and say, this, this is like... An, an essential ingredient to really developing trust that that kind of a trust, you know, cause there's probably a lot of people that are ruled by, and I mean, I was like this too, that, ruled by fear, you know, like fear, like you're saying fear is a natural part of it, but sometimes it's crippling, like to be able to, to, to act, uh, act in trust and walk in faith, like fear control, all of these things can actually be, chains that hold us back from that like how what is an essential ingredient to breaking those chains would you you know is there anything well i mean you know i would look back i i can look back on my life and say the thing that was working most deeply in me is is the love of god like i i i felt and knew the love of god and i and i loved god and and therefore um what I was afraid of was myself, not him. I was afraid of myself. Like, mm. like I, I'm going to fail or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow this or I'm going to mess it up or I'm going to make the wrong decision. That was a big yeah. fear of mine was making the wrong decision. You know, yeah. how do I know that I'm not going to regret this? Um, 
so I think that when you when you are really rooted um, in in a, a a sense of God's love for you and you you really love God, uh, it gives you the courage to face the unknown. And because love is 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 really the the, the fuel on the fire of fortitude. Mm. It, it's you to to face it's love of something. Like yeah. the soldier that dies for their country loves their country. You know, the 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 spouse that perseveres through the terminal illness of caring for their spouse for eight years loves their spouse. Yeah. It's love that gives us the courage to get up every day and face the next hard thing in pursuit of whatever it is that God is calling us to. Mm. And if we ever think that it's gonna be easy when once we like, oh, once I trust God. I'm just going to be, it's all going to be just <laughs> a, a bed of roses. <laughs> right, no, it's right. going gonna, to be on to the next hard Still thing. Still motivated by the love. But yeah. underneath all that fear, my, that, and that's the tremors of my humanity, right? It's just my, my flesh and my bone shake at the prospects of what could go wrong. Yeah. Underneath all that is peace. Mm. Because, because when I live in the love of God, I, I find peace underneath the turbulence. It's like the... It, it, and, and that's what get, it gives us the, that's the wellspring, I would say, from which we're able to just keep going yeah, and to keep pursuing God. And I, it, like, I can't reiterate enough that once you do one hard thing, you know, to those who are given much, much is expected. And if you are faithful in small things, then you will be entrusted with greater things. Yeah. Well, I guess you could say, well, I'm not going to trust God with anything then because I don't want any greater <laughs> responsibility. But the reward of of, sure. of embracing that calling, you just can't describe down deep inside how fulfilling that is. Yeah. And and ultimately we have right. heaven, you know, waiting us. But we, we, and so I would, we just yeah. have to trust and keep going. And I would say what you just yeah. described to me, I'd call a life un, ultimately unfulfilled. Like... You know, I mean, if that's if people hear that, like you said, and they're like, "Well, I don't," then I'm not going to step out because I, yeah. you know, like you're you're missing ultimately the the plan that the, God has for you, the life. adventure of the yeah. plan He has yeah. for you. Like, so true. and and I, I mean, you know, like you've been lived with me through all these experiences, and sometimes it's you know, I, I'll tell you how many. I mean, hundreds of times it's sure. like, God, I can't. Yeah. I just can't keep going. Right. But, you know, you get up and you just keep going. Yeah. And that's that's faith. Like, And God gives you that grace. Like, that's the grace of supernatural faith. Yeah. I believe in you, and I'm going to take the next brave step yeah. forward in response to your call. Yeah. And I love what you said. It's motivated by love, ultimately. It's so true. Like, if you if you've... You know, and we got to wrap it up here. But if you've encountered, if you've encountered God's love, in a way where you're, it's almost like your heart is stirred to a point where it almost can't go backwards. You, it's amazing how that alone will will keep pushing you forward. You know, and um, anyway, wow, I was really glad that we could share those stories. It's, yeah. It's awesome. Well, it's been it's it's especially gratifying because we have been with each other as friends through those yeah those so experiences true. and those journeys so and and to reflect on them and it's you know in hindsight my gosh like think of all that we have learned 
yeah. and all the thing ways in which we've grown that we wouldn't have. Yeah, if and we, had not we, we are yes. just much stronger men yeah. than we were when we first met. So true. And you know, and think of what the things that God continues to entrust to us again yeah. with great trepidation, uh, but but yet the 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 reward of um, being faithful to God is. Like there's there's just nothing that compares to it, mm. and um, you know we can always just look forward to. There will come a time in which our labors will we will find rest, true <laughs> rest yeah. in the end for our labors, and those labors are driven by stepping, taking God's hand, and stepping into the the fear of the unknown future, that plan that He doesn't reveal to us ahead of time. <laughs> But just says, just take this step and come follow me. Let's just end it right there. Amen. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, man. Hey, take care. All right. Have a good rest of your day. You too. The Wise Guys Podcast is a production of Preambule Group, a Catholic ministry dedicated to helping you thrive in the heart of Jesus. Visit us on the web at preambula.org and follow us on social media.